Hello and welcome to a the third and perhaps most chaotic edition of Technical Foul. <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm Ben Thompson. Uh, I'm the author of Stratechery, which has nothing to do with this podcast because we are just some geeks uh, ge- geeking about geeking out, I should say, about the NBA. And I'm Anton Reese, and I'm a sleep deprived app developer. I think. <laughs> no, I'm like being quite sleep deprived. So it's two forty five in the morning. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you are up very late. I I, I am a very I late. But I we had it. So I, I'm awake. So my article is very late today. It took me a long on Tuesdays. It takes me a long time to, to get them out sometimes. And unfortunately, I've been later than usual. But but we had to record today because of that insane game that happened today between the Oklahoma City Thunder and your San Antonio Spurs. And everyone wants to know, Manton, are you okay? I think I'm going to be okay. I'm actually. I'm feeling all right still. I still feel like the Spurs are the f- just fundamentally better team. And the fact that they basically, they almost had that game. They almost won the game. They basically had it, I thought, at the end. So do, do, and do you feel robbed? I don't feel robbed exactly because there's so many mistakes that led to that point. Um, and not even just mistakes, but like bad shooting um, at the beginning of the game, for example. Uh, you can't just pin things on one missed call and there was so much in that last 15 seconds there's like four or five things right so, so, so we, we should we should start there so in case anyone has not seen it which i have no idea how you could be listening to this podcast and not seeing this play but the last 13.6 seconds of this spurs thunder game was was absolute was absolutely insane and and it's almost a shame because the last minute was great as well i mean just before this happened tony parker made made one of the most unbelievable passes I've ever seen. Yeah. He drives to the basket, does a behind the sort of flip behind his back, bounce, no look, bounce pass, perfectly on line with pace to Lamarcus Aldridge on a design play for him to shoot a three. And he, which he, by the way, he hasn't made a single three all season. I know until, until, the, until the last game, we should say. <laughs> until the last game. Yeah. yeah. And and which he which he hits. Uh, and then, I mean, it was, it, it was, it was quite the comeback. So, so in this game, so OKC, uh, led, led most of the game. They kept getting ahead and then Santo would come back getting ahead. And so get out of this final minute. So anyhow, we're, we're down to, we're down to the end of the game and, uh, OKC is up by one point and is inbounding the ball. So, so first off, OKC rebounded, rebounded the ball. Or no, sorry, sorry. Aldridge made three free throws. So again, another design play from just yeah. three. So. You missed the part where he shot another three and was fouled. Uh, exactly. Even though on another design Oklahoma play, Oklahoma City was fouling three point shooters I like know. crazy in the first game, and they did it again. And actually, I was rewatching this, and it was so hilarious because you know the announcers are talking about this before the play, and Chris Webber's like, "If you're Oklahoma City, just make sure you don't foul. Surely they're not crazy enough to foul a three point shooter." Right, and, and if he, if you would have made that shot and got an end, I mean, an end one for a four point play, I mean, the, that would have been that would have just been ridiculous. Yeah, if only that had gone in. Right, so, it, so well, we, yeah, because game one happened since we recorded last time as well, which is which is a total blowout, and I, we'll probably touch on that when we talk about kind of this series going forward. So the first mistake where this went wrong, I think, is. Oklahoma City, instead of trying to inbound the ball, immediately called a timeout. So, and that was their last timeout. So, instead of having two chances to inbound the ball, they were down to one, and they could not call a timeout because they're out of timeouts, which just kind of sets the stage for for everything that happened. Yeah, and time is running out. I mean, you could argue that 
it was basically five seconds. I don't know. It was it was close. So. Right, right. So they're inbounding the ball. It's on the side. It's a very slow count, a very slow five second count. And yeah. I would, I personally, I would love. We talked about last time with the human element, and believe me, we're, we're about to talk a lot more about the human element. But for things like the five second count and for the eight second count crossing half court, I see no reason why those shouldn't be a clock. Like it's very, it'd be trivial to set up. It could, you could have like flashing lights on on the on the scores tables, like like you use flashing lights for the twenty four second clock. Like mm-hmm. let's make that consistent, especially at the end of the game because they end up being such those inbound passes in particular end up being such high leverage plays. I, I would love to see that just standardized and like there be no question about whether or not they got off or not. I mean, like what? Hmm. I, wh- why are we leaving that easy, easily automated? Uh, decision to referee discretion, and meanwhile we're having we're trying to get these you know laws about like the the fast breaks that we talked about last week. Like so, anyhow, yeah, personal personal pet peeve. <laughs> yeah, now that's an interesting point. It's hard. I mean, you're a human. You can't. You're not a stopwatch. It's it's hard to get exactly right. And and you often see you know they're counting. It's like one, two, and then well, was there a little more time between three and four? Right. Because well, because also so this kind of bears on this whole thing that happened. So the referee has to both count and he has to like pay attention to what's going True. on. And yeah, wh- what is going on is first off, Manu Ginobili is is definitely all over the play. He does step over the line and his arms do break the point. Now, these are all technically violations. And mm-hmm. actually, and what was funny is most, almost no one knew this, including Robbie Nunn, who's, who's a former referee who's, who's super active on Twitter. They just changed the rule that in the last two minutes when you, so anytime if the defender breaks the plane, uh, it is a delay of game. But in the last two minutes, it's a technical. So according okay. to the letter of the law, Oklahoma City should have gotten a technical. Now, that yeah. said, I, I mean, think the that, stepping on the line, it was so it quick. There's barely, no way yeah. they could have seen that um, unless they're staring at the floor. Totally. And, and I think that's a bull. I think that's a that's a stupid like argument against what happened next, because it happens. It happens all the time. And frankly, like I've seen much more egregious violations. Yes. By the letter of the law, he did. But he really barely did. And. And by no means was could be was the equivalent of uh, of what happened next. <laughs> I, I'm just I'm, I'm, laugh, I'm picturing it in my mind. So what happened next? No one saw originally. Did you see it originally when it happened? No, yeah. I did not catch it. So so okay. So this this crazy play happens. So you always got to experience that happen. The, he like he, he jumps up. Deion Waiters jumps up, throws the ball in. The, the Oklahoma steals it. This crazy play happens, which we'll unpack, and the game's over. And suddenly, Chris Weber is going nuts, saying that's an offensive foul on Ginobili. Offensive, and, and like offensive foul on Ginobili. Like Ginobili had the ball. He didn't touch anyone. And I didn't understand what he was getting so worked up about. Like because he was talking about an offensive yeah, foul. Yeah, he must have had a good look at what was happening. Yeah, so he was sitting right there. So what happened was. Dion Waiters shoved Ginobili with his with his out, with, with his forearm and then yeah. passed the ball. And what what makes this so amazing is, and the ref said this after the game because they admitted they got this wrong. They're like, we've never seen that before, and right. <laughs> no one has ever seen this before, where the inbounder shoves off the defender to fasten the ball. Yeah, and the same thing when Ginobili was asked about this after the game, he was talking to the press, he, he was the same thing. He's like, what What even was that? I know it was something, but <laughs> we've never seen that before. It has to be said that, so one, the ref didn't see it, but two, even if the ref had seen it, Ginobili is, is perhaps the most famous flopper in the league. So y- you could argue that he was unlikely to get the call anyway. But the other thing yeah. is, I just but mentioned- the thing, real, Let me stop you real quick, though. The one thing about this, though, is very intentional, like, 
like a shove, like a push. Like oh, yeah, it wasn't sure. like an accidental contact or, you know, uh, he's just trying to throw the ball. And he, I mean, it was, it was, it was almost like he stopped at four and a half seconds and like push forward. And it's not like Ginobili could have anticipated him being shoved and like prepared himself to flop. Like it, it was right. like, the, so there's a great picture of well, Marcus Aldridge is, is down on the baseline behind it. And you could see his face, like his jaw just literally drops when this happened. Like he cannot believe that waiters just shoved Ginobili. <laughs> Yeah. So the other thing that happened is waiters jumped to pass it in. And I didn't realize this, but uh, you can, if you're running the baseline, you can jump because there, there it's like, you know, it's, there's no traveling or whatever, but you cannot jump. So that was actually, oh. in my estimation, the more egregious miss by the referees because it like that's, they shouldn't know that. Like I can understand this being shocked at the shove and barely even noticing, but you're looking at it like, you can't jump and he jumped. And so that right there was, it was illegal in, in multiple respects. Yeah. There's so many things. And then that's all the stuff we just talked about is even before the ball. Right. The 13.6 the seconds have not even started to tick yet. Right. And to Ginobili's credit too. I mean, you mentioned like Aldridge is like, what just his eyes wide open, like what just happened? But to both their credits, actually, they got back in the play. And right. it's like, I really feel like the Spurs did not panic there. Danny Green got the steal, passed to Patty Mills, to Ginobili, and then he passed back. I mean, they, they ran a play. Right, like, right. They so, didn't panic. Well, there wasn't so, much so time left. So, yeah, yeah. So and it was actually beautiful if the shot had gone out. It was. So what? So lots of stuff. So the whole play was fascinating. So one, Durant probably got fouled. Um, but yeah, it, maybe. Yeah, it, I don't know. But, but see, again. here's and here's getting back to like the intentional push. I really, I think it's fine if the refs like just let people let them play. You know, like don't call stuff in the last. 10 seconds of the game, if it's kind of an accidental, you know, you're just going for the ball or, you know, someone's kind of making the contact, like driving to the basket or like just let, let them play and that's fine. But it's when it's obviously intentional, like if Danny Green had like shoved. Right. <laughs> with, with, with his forearm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they were just both going for the ball. It was a high pass. And so I don't, I don't think that was anything to to call a foul about no i i agree and, and i actually agree with we're going to talk about probably a lot of of quote-unquote missed calls um but most of them were yeah i mean i get the argument that you should be consistent the whole game etc cetera, etc cetera, but most of them were like you yeah i'm fine with letting him go and i think this is one too so so this is when kind of the amazing happens so so danny green gets the ball and he had ginobili for what would have been a better pass i don't think he saw him so yeah like you said he passed to jack and what happened was Stephen Adams, what, who was setting a pick for Durant, hustled back and, and he made Green kind of loft this pass over. So, yeah. so he got back on defense quick. To his he, credit, he did. Sure. So, so Patty Mills is under the basket, passes it to Ginobili. Ginobili drives and is met by Stephen Adams again. Who and then Ginobili does this flip over his head, a very Ginobili pass to to Patty Mills in the corner, and he looks wide open. And meanwhile. Here comes Stephen Adams again, challenging the shot, and que- clearly made Bills miss. It was it was one of the most incredible defensive plays like I've ever seen. Like the way he had the presence of mind to get back to 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 mess up that first pass to to stop Ginobili from shooting, and then to challenge that last shot was, was incredible. I mean, you could argue it was it was a game winning sort of sequence from from Adams. Yeah, I mean, you could also argue he totally ran into Patty Mills and fouled him. But yeah, but you're right. I mean, it was. Like I just said, the Spurs didn't give up. They didn't panic. They ran a play, and it would have been beautiful if it had gone in. But Adams didn't give up either. I mean, he was in all of those, 
all those spots that he needed to be in on defense. Right. And, and so, and th- so then there's a scrum under the basket where I think Abaka pretty clearly was holding on to uh, Aldridge and and Leonard. But again, it's one of those things in the game. Yeah, hard hard to see him calling it. They, yeah, because Aldridge got the rebound and he went up to put it back in, and his his jersey was pulled. You, you don't see it in like the normal replay that everyone's showing, but in a different angle, you you see it. He was definitely pulled. But again, yeah, what are you going to do? There's like half a second left, and I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I mean for sure. But I think the, uh, the j- I mean just in general, to, I totally forgot how I was going to say. I'm still, I'm still, I'm still baffled by this play. Oh, the, the other thing to keep in mind is even with that forearm sh- shove, like the Spurs had a, f- they had a three on one fast break basically to win the game, and it's hard to imagine them getting a better opportunity had something been called and they had a yeah. sideline out of bounds from, from the backcourt. And I think pop realized that and he did, that's why he didn't call a timeout. Right. Yeah. He's like, they, they had, it was all, it was chaos and they, right. If they had taken advantage of it correctly, they would have won the game. It was probably the right thing. To just, just, you know, let your team, I mean, like I said, they didn't panic. They ran a play that didn't work. They <laughs> passed back to Patty Mills. I mean, it could have worked out. The the other play that was annoying, when I first watched it, I was like, what are you doing? You only need one point to tie the game and two points to win the game. Why are you taking a three? But as I thought about it more and watched it again, it did kind of feel right. And that's his shot. Like, Patty Mills can make those. He he didn't shoot well the, the whole game, but he could have made that shot. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. It, in some respects, if you put away sort of all the mugging and following that may or may have gone on, both teams actually played the last, the actual 13 seconds, like remarkably well. Like OKC played good defense. San Antonio got a good shot. Uh, that was, they had a great challenge and, and the game and the game was over. But then of course, what was so great. And, and this is kind of like the broader point that, that, that I would make about, about this thing was then NBA Twitter was, was fantastic. And it's like, it's a pruder film and everyone's breaking down all these things that happen, <laughs> like the fan grabbing Steven Adams. And oh yeah, that was unfortunate. It, yeah. But I mean, it did affect, fortunately it didn't affect, it didn't affect the play, but I loved this play and I loved, I loved the game in general. The game was an awesome game with this play. It was awesome in so many respects. It was awesome because one it encapsulated kind of a lot of some of the strengths and weaknesses of the various people involved and what happened in the game. So you had, uh, you know, Danny green did his like fast break strip that he's famous for. Then he made a terrible pass because he's not a very good ball handler. You had, you know, Patty mills missing this three, you know, like point guard is kind of this, the Spurs argue a weak point this year. You had, uh, you know, Steven Adams just, hustling and if one thing that marked OKC this game compared to last game it, it was their hustle you had Deion Waiters involved and Deion Waiters actually I thought played a really good game uh, it like it was an encapsulation of the game but then it was just an encapsulation of like what makes the NBA great like it at the end of the game you have all these analytics you have these like specimens and jumping and doing these amazing things but at the end of the day like so much of it is just about how the ball bounces and just wanting it yeah. And Adams, like you mentioned, I mean, he he was in there at the end, which is fitting because he did have a great game, like 17 rebounds. Uh, that, that made a huge difference. I'd love to see what happens in game three, particularly with him. Uh, and if they can, like, I was surprised they didn't, when Tim Duncan wasn't 
quite as effective. I mean, obviously he missed some early like layups and and that's the other thing is I I wasn't super worried even when they were down like 13 points in the first quarter or second quarter whatever it was because they were just missing a bunch of easy shots, bunch of layups, a bunch of just just uncontested, you know, wide open shots and that's not going to happen every game. Um but but I was curious too if if Duncan was struggling, they put Boban Marjanovic in for just like three minutes. And I was cu- I'm curious if they'll play him a little more if Duncan has any trouble with Adams. And just in terms of you got to be competitive on the glass and getting those rebounds make, t- makes a difference. It does. And so I, I've heard some mention on Twitter that that Duncan uh, twisted his ankle in, in game one. Um, did you hear uh, anything about that? I actually didn't hear that now. Because it would make sense because he was really good in game one, like yeah, particularly defending the rim against those Westbrook drives. And he's also got all week to rest now until Friday uh, when they play the game. So, I mean, hopefully that'll make a difference for him. It, it will. And I don't know, the, the game was, it, it was interesting. I mean, first off, I mean, we, we like, you know, they say the series doesn't begin until what the, the a home team wins, wins on the road or sorry, a, a visiting team wins on the road. And that certainly not only happened here, but it really felt like in this game, like now the the playoffs have have now begun. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was such a playoff game from the get go. The intensity was great. The, the 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 back and forth. One thing that I think is is really interesting is in both games. Uh, well, obviously, Marcus Aldridge has been has been absolutely Amazing. incredible. Yeah, but OKC seems to be okay with that, and in what they're doing is they. They just refuse to, at least, especially this game, refuse to leave the Spurs three point shooters, and and we're just let him basically do what he wanted to. He's had such an amazing game. It'd be I'm almost as surprised if he cares it forward, but they they're kind of letting him get whatever he wants. I mean, they're covering him, but I mean, he can get he can get his shots off. He's he does he'll have like a up and under kind of move to get around Adams sometimes. I mean, he's basically getting whatever he wants, and it's not all close up stuff. I mean, he's he's shooting from all over the place, including those threes. And if he can continue that, I mean, he shot over seventy percent the first two games, uh, which is insane. If if he can continue, he doesn't have to get forty points the rest of the series, but if he can still be pretty good and then everyone else steps up a little bit, I mean, the, the shooting was just not great from everybody else. I think the rest of the team besides Aldridge, it was like 34% or something like that. That's not going to happen every game. Right. Like there, it's bound to be better. Kawhi was bad. Kawhi, the first quarter missed all his shots. Um, Aldridge was the one consistency like throughout both games, but and Kawhi was great in the first game, but yeah, the sec- the second game, everybody else shot poorly. The, well, the, the thing though is, I, I think like that was definitely w- tied into how OKC was playing them. Be, I mean, San Antonio only had 19 assists, which which for them is is not that many. Yeah, well, they had like double the first game, <laughs> right? Yeah, which I mean, but that was crazy. Yeah, who knows how much you can you you can take from that? But yeah, I mean, they were letting Aldridge do what he wanted, and I guess the the, the challenge for San Antonio is. If OKC plays them this way, they they're basically like OKC is kind of forcing them into a one on one game, and Aldridge very well may be good enough to do that. I mean, he had this play in the third or fourth quarter where he just backed Abaka right down to under the basket and then threw up a flip shot. I mean, it was it was awesome. Yeah, and maybe that's what they're that's what they're gonna have to do. But it it is striking that they did make the Spurs not 
play like the Spurs in some respects. The question, I think you're exactly right. Aldridge and Leonard need to be good enough to punish them for that. And in this game, Aldridge was, but, but, but Leonard wasn't. Yeah. And everyone else just needs to be a little bit better. Tony Parker, a little bit better. I, I don't have it in front of me, but I think he'll had a couple of points in the, there's so many missed shots too. I mean, at the beginning yeah, of the game, at the beginning of the game, especially like Tim Duncan had a couple that just, they should go in. He's right up there at the rim. Just didn't go in. I mean, you put a, uh, just a couple more of those in and you know, the Spurs win or it's at least a lot, at least a lot closer uh, through, throughout the rest of the game. And they came back. I mean, they went on runs, you know, they went on a, like a nine Oh run uh, when, you know, Mills made a three, Danny green made a three or two. Then they kind of fell off a little, then they went on another run. And it's like, I don't know. I, I, I'm not worried. I was worried a little bit in the fourth quarter when they were still down like five or 10 points, because I felt like it should have been, uh, they, they should have a little bit earlier. They should have been able to take the lead and keep it. But I think it's going to, I think it's going to be all right. You, you, you shooters shoot a little bit better. Aldridge still needs to be solid and they should be able to steal at least one of these games in Oklahoma. Yeah. I mean, this, the other, oh, the other thing I was going to say about that last play, and I, I kind of, I've kind of jumbled it, but that was particularly, I think, representative of, of OKC in that <laughs> they had a terrible play, like that sidebound out, out of bounds, like nothing happened. There was like mm-hmm. no screen or like one screen, but they were saved by like just effort and athleticism, particularly on Adam's part. Like that's how OKC operates. Like they, they, they seem to have no good plays or offense or anything, but they're just so overwhelming physically that it almost doesn't matter. And we got the full <laughs> like Westbrook experience this game, right? Yeah. Where was he at the end though? I when I keep rewatching that last 15 seconds, I, I forget to watch where Westbrook is. Like, was he even was he on the other side of the court? Like, I didn't even notice. I don't know. That, that I was just thinking the same thing. I'm not. I'm not sure where he was. Um. Sorry, I'm kind of looking at it right now. Oh, so he he was camped out. He was after Ginobili passed to Mills. Ginobili popped back out the three point line, and Westbrook went to cover him. Okay, so because um, Westbrook was cutting towards the baseline, so he, he was probably a waiter to get back. But I mean, man, Westbrook, oh, he like he was gr- he was great. He had 29 points. He had 10 assists, seven rebounds, uh, a few steals. But at, <laughs> and he just. He's got to stop those three pointers he takes. Like he's he's a terrible three point shooter, and <laughs> and, there, and then one time he came in and like Durant got a rebound and like Westbrook like ran back to get the ball and it was like it's like let Durant take it up like you go up like I mean I feel like he needs to like I I, I like, he needs to watch Dwayne Wade like the way Dwayne Wade like, worked with LeBron where he one didn't shoot three-pointers because he sucked at it, but two, how he worked as a cutter off the ball. It was just dynamite going to the rim like that. Like, I would love to see Westbrook doing that off of some Durant actions cutting to the rim, but uh, so I tweeted this, and I was annoyed, and immediately Westbrook just did this unbelievable drive to the basket, jumped off his off foot, like made this bucket that no one else in the NBA can make, and it's like, like, yep, that's 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 Russell Westbrook. Like, I, I, yeah. I, I, I vacillate between like everyone else, exasperation and, and admiration. But I don't know. I I, I don't know. I don't know if uh, I, I've been a big defender of him, but those threes were really frustrating. So did you think anything of the fact that Westbrook was kind of out on the bench, like resting for a lot of the fourth quarter? I didn't notice that at first. And then I don't know one of the announcers or someone pointed it out because he was like, I want to get back in the game. Like, 
I want to get back in the game. Why am I not in there? Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I want to play I this under- whole game. And he's for many, many minutes, he's just sitting there. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't understand it at all, frankly. I mean, because they OKC. I, this is why I'm so frustrated with this franchise. Like it's going on year five or uh, of them being in finals contention, or you know, year seven or eight of them being together, and they still don't have any decent wings. And the last thing they need especially with four or five days off and Westbrook is a physical freak. Like he's not going to, he doesn't get tired as far as I can tell. Like, I don't understand how you're not playing him, you know, 40, 42 minutes a game. Uh, I, I, and that's when San Antonio made, made one of their runs to, 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 to come back. Yeah, I did think, so the interesting was um, they, OKC finally played Anthony Morrow who, and he was awful on defense as predicted, but when he was in, their offense was so ran so much more smoothly just because the Spurs were actually worried about him taking a shot. It, it's yeah, it's I mean, it's frustrating they haven't been able to get that one guy that can shoot consistently and is not a disaster on defense. I mean, Roberson's out there and like I posted no the Spurs guy is I posted this tweet where Green forced a steal and Green was literally on the complete other side of the court, just ignored him. And, and, and like, I mean, oh, OKC is frustrating. They're, they're, they're so frustrating. Everything about them is frustrating. So where do you see this going? We kind of glossed over game one, but I mean, I was, the Spurs dominated the whole game. You know, Aldridge had a great game. Everyone else had a pretty good game. But after it, I, I thought it was kind of telling and just terms of their attitude where Ginobili was, was asked about, you know, about the confidence and they were, he was talking about just the risk of after a game like that, thinking that you've got everything under control and you don't have to play as hard. And it's actually worse sometimes when you win by 30 points. Right. I think that the beginning of game two was just kind of a fluke. I, I don't think it was that they weren't ready to, to play hard. It just, those shots weren't going in. Um, but where do you see this? Go, you go, we're going back to Oklahoma city for the next two games do you think, I mean, is it conceivable? Do you think Oklahoma will still, um, like, where, where do you think those two games are going to go? You think Spurs will steal one or both or neither? Like, how, how yeah, do you see this I mean, I, I think that OKC has a formula for beating the Spurs, and it is what I just described, forcing the Spurs into playing one-on-one, like, basically changing, making it a one-on-one both sides. Like, we're going to go mm-hmm. one-on-one and see whose one-on-one guys are better. And OKC has the best you know, are we the two best one-on-one guys in the league? Yeah. I just don't think that OKC can keep it together for like, and they're going to have some run or some, something's going to happen in one of those games that I'm pretty confident with you that the Spurs will, will get at least one back. Well, it's going to be fun. Yeah. They'd have a few days off to rest and yeah, I mean, as long as, as long as they win one in Oklahoma city, they get home court back, which is key. I'm kind of, ex- I'm not ex- happy that uh, they lost, but it was such a crazy, just wild ending to the game. It's fun to talk about, fun to rewatch. Oh, it, <laughs> and it, it'll make the series memorable, even if it ends in five or six. Yeah. I mean, like, I, it's just like in the NBA, like, cause it's only five players on the court and they're not wearing masks or jerseys and like, and it's so fluid. Like, I mean, like a bit like soccer like that, but there's fewer players. There's so there's so much variability that can go into any play, and like just the pure like the humanity of that play, like just everything that was going on, it was crazy, <laughs> and everyone's losing their mind, and you're debating and talking about it. Like that 13 seconds was in some like is such an encapsulation of what makes the NBA so great and enjoyable, and we're gonna be talking about it for the next three days, and everyone's gonna get sick of it, and there's gonna be an internet meme about it, and it's gonna be funny. And- <laughs> yeah, I'm just glad that it was game two. 
right and not game seven because that, that it would have just been crushing and because it kind of felt like that last year actually that last you know down to the wire game seven with the Clippers Chris Paul makes a shot and then the Spurs have one second they set up a play to inbound and something there was some kind of delay like the refs didn't give the give them the ball to inbound and so then the Clippers could see like what was going to happen oh that's and right I forgot about that Pop was furious and but it was only one second you know the play didn't work and the series is over and the Spurs lose it's to lose like that is just crushing and so I'm glad it wasn't like this the, we can laugh and talk about this one because it was game two it's not going to decide the series they stole a game in San Antonio but overall I mean the series I think will play out as it should play out and hopefully, I mean, the Spurs defense is still great. I mean, they held Oklahoma to, you know, 92 points first game, 98. And Oklahoma, the season average is like 110 or something. So, I mean, the defense is working. Just something right. <laughs> didn't work on the offense. Yeah, so, it, I was, and the other thing, I, that first game one was so disappointing as an NBA fan. Like, <laughs> I was so pumped for this series. And it was the only game on that day. And I woke up early to watch it. And, oh, it was, it was such a bummer. So, I, I'm just glad that... It looks like we have a series, and yeah. particularly because I think it's well. We'll see Toronto Miami kicks start tomorrow. That was that should be a good series. But I mean, this is definitely the best series in the second round. So I'm glad that it, it lived up to its billing for for at least one game. Cool. So so speaking of Toronto Miami, uh, do, do you have do you have any 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 thoughts or picks on on, on who's going to win? I don't know about picks. I still like Toronto. I mean, that was. I didn't see all of the series with Indiana, but you know, it went to Game Seven. It was fun. There was a couple, more than a couple, close ones. And the ending of that, I mean, the Toronto kind of had the game, and at the very end, it was kind of in doubt. Oh, still, that like um, that that fourth quarter was painful, and <laughs> they were they almost got like an eight second call every single time. And then they they'd barely drove the ball over, and then they just wait, 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 and then they would go with like six seconds left, and they're left mm-hmm. like a, like if the screen misses or they can't get off, like they're getting a twenty four second call. Lowry had two great layups that that pulled it out. I, it, I mean, oh, it was. They were so they were so tight on that, and then George. I think the biggest play George got that steal, and then committed an offensive foul, which yeah. it, it was a good call. But it, man, if he would have made that, like they 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 would have been in big trouble. Yeah, it was strange watching the ending too because it seemed the the game kind of slowed down from Toronto's perspective. Indiana would come out and like pressure them, like almost at half court, and they held on to the lead. But it seemed like it was just. Just barely held on. And also, if you look at like shooting percentage, like they actually shot really poorly, uh, especially the guards, but everybody. It was no, like 30 something. Percent. I know that's the concern, man. Lowry, yeah. like they, Lowry's been terrible. I mean, like he's, he's played well at times, but his shooting has been awful. And he was so good this year. And they need him to, to get back to form for sure. Yeah. He's bound to hopefully pick up in the next series, but. I just thought that was interesting that they, they won that game kind of on free throws in a way. I mean, yeah, DeRozan hit all of and, his. And rebounding, offensive rebounding. And rebounding, yeah. But it's just like looking at the score and the stats, it's like, how did they win that game again? But, totally. One thing, this reminds me, one thing that, that drives me up the wall, at the end of the game, uh, so two things drive me up the wall. One, Indiana got the ball. So Toronto 
I can't remember exactly the play happened. It's been a few days now, and like I said, it's three in the morning. But but basically, Toronto, someone drove for a layup, and they had like two or three guys under the basket, mm-hmm. and there was a scramble for the ball. Indiana gets the ball, and they're going up the side of the court. There's like three Toronto players behind the play, and and Frank Vogel calls a timeout, like it, the exact opposite of what of what Popovich did, right? But I mean, Popovich saw that the Spurs had a three on one fast break, which is infinitely better than you're ever going to get on a sideline out of bounds. Like, Mm -hmm. and he calls a timeout. So one, the timeout irritated me. And then two, they did the quick two. I hate the, which didn't convert. I hate the quick two, like making the, and you saw this with, with Aldridge yesterday, getting a three when you're down four makes such a massive difference because you even if they make both free throws, you get a chance to tie. Like I, I hate the take two philosophy. I think you should always go for three at the end of the game. Like one point is so valuable at that time of the game that that like the percentage difference between whatever two point shot you can get and a three would have to be like ninety percent to like ten percent for me to even count as the other. I, I hate the quick two. Quick two. It makes no sense to me at all. So was this the play that also? There was another kind of non-call um, yeah. under the basket. DeRozan pushed a little bit. It was, I, I, it was, it was a foul. But again, I, yeah. he didn't push with his hands. He kind of, in, in, it looked like DeRozan was actually kind of boxing him out because it looked like that mm-hmm. George was going to shoot that shot. So I, I didn't mind that non-call. And I think yeah. in general, like I don't. At the end of the game, like you said it before, you can't. The refs are gonna like it's a it's such a hard game to ref. They're gonna miss calls. Yeah. Like I have a problem if it feels like there's systematic bias as a Milwaukee's fan, like a Milwaukee Bucks fan. As I mentioned, <laughs> I'm still bitter about this, but I have a very hard time. This stuff tends to even out over time. Yeah. Uh, and if you're in a situation where one call costs you at the end of the game, well, you probably made you know 15 mistakes the rest of the game sure. that, that wouldn't have gotten you there. The reason that stood out to me is I just watched the end of the uh, Blazers Clippers game six. Um, and there, so the Indiana uh, Toronto one was like 15 seconds left in the game, 15 seconds about left in the, the Blazers game, the same kind of thing happened. Score was tied and Plumlee got pushed and they called it. And then he, he shot two free throws, made them both and they won the game. And so the, the inconsistency is kind of, I mean, it's a different game, different refs probably. I mean, it, it, you can't really compare it, but because I watched all those at similar times, I kind of couldn't help but compare them. It's like 15 minutes left in the game. There's kind of foul. It's not called 15 seconds left in a different game. It is called and they win the game because of it. So it's, it's interesting just to compare game to game. It but, is. It's yeah. really frustrating. You know, you're right. And I, I could have been fine with that Clippers foul not, foul not being called either. That, I mean, the Clippers yeah. were, that game was so like in, inspirational. I mean, so I didn't, <laughs> I actually missed the Austin Rivers play where his face got broken open. So the first that thing was, I, so let me just tell you how I saw it because it was crazy because he falls down and you don't see his face for like a little while, like 10, 15 seconds, whatever. I don't know. They cut to something else. They cut back to him. And then when he lifts his face up and you see it for the first time, his face is I mean, it's covered in blood. Ugh. And it, it was like, oh my, it was just shocking. Yeah. Because <laughs> you don't see what happened. And then he lifts his face up and he's holding his head and there's blood everywhere. Yeah. I just saw, I just saw a still photo. Like it was the first thing I saw. And it looked like he like shattered his eye socket or something. I mean, it was. It looked terrible. Yeah. Oh. But then, I mean, again, then, so then he, he, he goes up, gets a bad stuff, comes back in the game, probably had a concussion and probably should have been playing, um, but we're going to skate over that. And then he, you know, gets 21 points, 
11 boards, seven or 11 assists, seven, seven boards, or, or something like yeah, some. That's great. And like the guy, I don't, again, it gets some of those things about the, about, about, there's a few, I think, lessons about this. One, again, just like the, the human component of, of the NBA, like it was so, it was so moving, like the way he just poured it all out there. Two, you have yeah. this guy that's just dumped on because his dad put on the team, and which is all probably fair and true. But like, no one's gonna dump on him now because, like, yeah, like, after doing that, yeah. I mean, he fought through, played great, yeah. And even, I mean, even the Blazers were like, you know, talking to him and like shaking his hand. I mean, it seemed like everybody on the court had respect for what he was able to do coming back after being stitched up and no. And the other thing is, I mean, there's no way the Clippers were, the Clippers would probably would have lost game, the next game. Uh, they, mm-hmm. they were, they're certainly not winning the NBA title, but right. the way they still competed and like gave everything to win that game was, was awesome. And that was, yeah. it was probably my favorite moment of the play. I mean, well, I guess this 13.6 second play <laughs> as replaced it, but it was what, it was such a great moment. And I, what, and what it reminds me of like this whole, it made me think of the Philadelphia 76ers actually. And this whole, like their whole tanking thing and like a championship or bust and this sort of mentality that all that matters is rings. Like I hate that mentality. And I think it, if you have that mentality, you're missing out on so much of what's great about sports in general and the, and the NBA in particular, that game, neither the Blazers or Clippers are going to win the title. That game had nothing to do with rings, but it was it was an awesome game to watch and it was inspiring. It was a great moment. And yeah, that, 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 that's my take on it. Yeah, that's fair. And even at the end, the Clippers had a chance to win kind of at the buzzer. I mean, it, you know, it's, they fought really <laughs> almost hard. almost made it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was, it was close down to the, down to the end. I think the Blazers would have, I mean, they, they were going to win that series and that, even they played well, even before the injuries too. I mean, they, they lost the first two, then they, they beat the Clippers even with Chris Paul in there in the you know the second um, you know, the third and fourth game, and of course they won four straight. But they yeah they were playing well. I I love the Blazers, so I was kind of rooting for them. But that game was exciting. Well, the Blazers got crushed by the Warriors uh, without without Curry, and I I, th- I thought that would happen. But that I thought that win was even more convincing than I expected, and it was convincing. It was it was more convincing in some respects than the Spurs win over to OKC because hmm. that I mean that game clearly just it was it just spiraled out of control right and well OK- it start yeah and it's it was just what we're talking about like the terrible start in game two for the Spurs like it's kind of the same thing here Blazers bad start or maybe like average start and the Warriors just an amazing first quarter. And, you know, Clay is hitting threes left and right. Right, but but the Warriors just seem to match up like so. I, I don't see where, in some respects, like having having starting um with a uh, Livingston, like it, it's tough for Portland now. Like they have nowhere to hide their guards. Like they have these two, they have these hulking guys. You know, Thompson six seven. Livingston, they're both six seven. I think Livingston and Thompson uh, on on McCollum and, and Willard and and Green. They had no one for Green at all. I mean, I just don't see. Even without Curry, and I hope Curry does not come back because I don't see hmm. the Blazers posing any real threat to to the Warriors. I think so. There's a couple things that are interesting. Like I agree with you in terms of the guard matchup, um, but one thing that I, I I looked at this again before we recorded because I was curious about. I didn't watch this whole game, so I kind of like reviewed parts of it, and I was curious to see if you ignore the first quarter, what happened. And the Blazers actually outscored the Warriors if you add up two, three, and four. 
Um, but that first quarter was just terrible. And, you know, you can't, can't come back from that. But I thought that was interesting. Like if you, if you ignore the first quarter, they were, uh, actually really competitive. That's good. That's a good point. Can, can they, uh, can they, t- I mean, this, the second game is obviously going to be very tough, just as tough. Even if Curry doesn't come back for game three, I assume he'll be back for four or five. I, we'll see. I mean, I think that for the Blazers, I think their goal is, I mean, you've got to try to win every game, of course, but especially uh, when you go back to Portland and you try to take one or both of those, it's possible. It's very difficult, but everything kind of has to go right. Well, they, they have to win game two, frankly, if they're going to win this series. I mean, because they mm-hmm. have to win at least once in Oracle, and your yeah. best possible chance to do it is when Curry is not playing. I don't think they can win the series, but I'd like to see them win a couple. Yeah, no, I, I could see that. I, I could see the. I think the Warriors will win. Will win game two, and then I could see the Warrior or or the Blazers winning, like winning game three, just getting out to, in front of the crowd, getting out to a start, and yeah. then and then we'll see we'll see with game four. I mean, I, I sure hope Curry takes it slow, though. I mean, I. Uh, yeah, you'd think after try, coming back like arguably too early last time a couple weeks ago. Seems like they would play, especially if they win the first two games and they're looking good. Seems like they would just play it safe, right? Not bring him back. I'm sure he's like wants to get out on the court as fast as possible. But it feels to me like yeah, you're going to win the series. Um, I really like the Blazers, but the Warriors are going to win. So like, play it safe and be at full strength for the Spurs or OKC. Yeah, I think last last time last thing we talked about, and I I, I took the. I took the position that it was a freak accident, like it probably come back and help. But there was a good article by Tim Grover, um, the, the kind of famous Michael Jordan trainer and, and trainer of other NBA players, where he basically made the case that he thinks Curry's coming back absolutely contributed to the injury just because uh, he likely had the, the, the leg heavily braced and taped more so than usual, which transferred all the impact of that sort of slip and, and jutting the leg out from the ankle that would normally sort of uh, shock that be the shock absorber and passed it all to the knee. And he's like, maybe the knee would have been hurt anyway, but like it, it was a, there's no question that it was the impact was more than it likely deserved if he's in a normal situation, which intuitively makes a ton of sense and really like raises the question again, like, it's the the rockets they stink like why is curry why is curry in there i don't know it's frustrating yeah it's in the past now but yeah i hope they i hope they play it safe and clay has been great of course the other thing is i mean the blazers may well, they, i also read just today that lillard apparently had a cold um last couple of days so you know i don't know i don't know how much that contributes but the if everything goes right for the blazers and also if clay maybe has an off shooting night. Cause I mean, he's had like three games. Uh, he just broke some record. I don't know what it was like most threes and three playoff games in a row or something like that. Um, he's shooting great, but like he could have an off night any time now. He does. And he does sometimes. Yeah, he does. So, I mean, and usually Curry's there, you know, and it's no big deal, but I mean, clay, I, I can't, I haven't looked at the stats, but I can't imagine he's going to be perfect, like consistently. I mean, he's going to have an off night one of these times so if the Blazers are playing really well and he has an off night for game two or three, for example, you know, I, I don't know. Anything's possible, but we'll see what oh, I think, we'll I think, see if that influences Curry coming back early or not. 
I think you hit on a good point though, which is, you know, there's like one less fail safe, right? If, if green is off, Curry's not there to pick him up. And I think you could actually see this in game one, the warrior, like the blazers made their runs mostly against the warriors bench units. Hmm. And, one of the reasons the bench units and the bench units looked pretty bad, particularly in the second quarter, was because Livingston wasn't there because Livingston's starting now. Yeah, and there was now one less guy, especially that that second that that bench often just goes to those Livingston post ups to get to get a good shot. And when he wasn't there, they suffered, and so it's almost like the bigger effect was kind of the knock on effect, like what happened to the second unit as opposed to hmm. the first unit. You know, was 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 still pretty good. Yeah, and he played the whole year. You get used to counting on the bench for certain things. And then when the bench yep. is no longer the same, it's imagine it's gets a got to adjust to that. Totally. Did you watch the the uh Atlanta Cleveland game? I watched some of it and I kind of just glanced over it again before we were recording. Um did anything stand out for you? That the one thing that I kept looking at is Cal Corver not really shooting uh, at all. <laughs> and he, uh, he made, he like shot one, three and missed it. And just the fact that he was never open and could never get off a screen or anything to get like a little bit of a window to shoot. Yeah. It's definitely a problem. I think that this was Atlanta's best chance to win and it's not looking good for them. In my opinion, they had, uh, particularly Dennis Schroeder was, yeah. was insane. Like, bench, shooting, yeah. like, I mean, he shot great. He yeah. shot better than like almost everybody on the team, I think. Right. And that's like totally out of care. Like he's like a 20 some percent three point shooter on the year. And, and he's making like four or five threes like that. You're not going to get that again. Baysmore made a bunch of shots at the beginning and what, and what you saw and down the stretch, they both regressed to the mean, like both of them missed several shots. Baysmore missed like three threes in a row hmm. when they were, when they were tied or like up by one that, that would have, been a big deal. Yeah, that's the thing is because they did. They were they took the lead by a little bit, even like the middle of the fourth quarter, right? No, it was a, it was a great comeback, but the comeback was fueled by like unsustainable offense, which was basically Schroeder making all these crazy shots. And LeBron was you know his usual self when it mattered, including that was, amazing and one where he's like he's fouled and he's like falling down. He like switches hands, still makes it. I don't know, just like the power he has on some of those shots to make sure they go in. Impressive. The other thing too is, I mean, uh, Cleveland just destroyed them on the offensive boards, and that that was a kind of a known weakness for Atlanta. And and the, the thing the thing about like Cleveland and the offensive boards, and this goes to the Warriors too. I think the underrated thing with the Warriors is even when their points aren't falling, they always have their defense, and people forget about how good and consistent their defense is. Mm-hmm. And the Blazers, you know, had a hard time, particularly in the first half, and you know, against the starters, it's the. It's the same thing with Cleveland and their offensive rebounding. And OKC, too, frankly. Like, that is always there, and it's going to generate a significant number of points. And if you can't handle it or tamp it down, like, you're just you're way behind before the game even starts almost. And and that definitely felt like it was the case with Atlanta. So did it – and I noticed something uh, – when I, the parts that I was watching live, I saw something where Love – kind of hurt his shoulder or something. It was, I don't know. I can't remember exactly what happened, but is he fine? It's, it feels like every series someone's getting hurt, and so I'm concerned that... I know. It's so disappointing. I, I didn't hear anything more. I mean, it, I hated the play he got hurt on because I hate that jump sideways into a guy sort of thing, yeah. but I don't know. I don't know anything. I mean, it's certainly, I hope not. I mean, like like, yeah. like we've been maintaining, want to see all, all these teams at, at full strength if possible. So you think this was the Hawks' best chance and... It's going to be downhill from here. Or do you think they can maybe 
win back in Atlanta or they might they might pull out a game like if they get hot, hot from three. I mean both both Horford and Millsap were shot really poorly this game, particularly Horford. Uh but I yeah, I just have it's it's a it's not a very good matchup for them. I mean the James was you know James and kind of go bonkers against them and like I said the offensive rebounding is a big concern. And and th- like this was a blowout until Schroeder started going crazy. Yeah. And not a blowout, but they were up by 10 15 points. Um so I yeah, I think this is going to be a pretty easy one for Cleveland. Okay. So hope hope is out that that Toronto my, my, Miami will be the uh, will be the series. I think Toronto will do better than than Indiana. I think just Paul George was was so awesome and as good as Wade is, you know, like you know, he's not necessarily at that level. But we'll see Hassan Whiteside is is going to be interesting for sure. I mean, he was awesome that 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 last game against Charlotte. In the brief time it was competitive uh he was he was pretty incredible. So I I just want the Miami I want the Miami Cleveland. <laughs> yeah. Well, Wade came alive too in the I don't know, it was, I don't know if it was the last game, but oh, you know, game six, yeah, down the stretch. That I mean, was he, awesome. Yeah, yep. he was looking good. No, it, it, it like I mean, yeah, he made two threes, which he hadn't made a three since what December, and then that crazy like he picked up his dribble, didn't have anything to do, pivoted multiple times, and threw up a shot. Yeah. Uh, no, again, it's it's like statistically poor shots the analytics say it's a bad thing and again i love the analytics i'm 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 a nerd but the nba like just every now and then there's just like things that happen that refuse to be put into the the expectations box and i know that's how it works like it's probably that sort of stuff but it's still so delightful when it happens and you have guys like wade who have such a history and rising to the occasion it was great i mean i was bummed because i'm in taiwan and everyone here loves jeremy lynn but uh, but I, I'm I think the Heat I'm glad they won. The Charlotte was super injured, and like, like I said, I, because I'm a drama junkie, I want I want Miami Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, there's a chance. I'm looking forward to now that we're like firmly in round two, uh, seeing how this unfolds. Totally. So there's gonna be a bunch of games this weekend. We should have a much better idea uh, by the next time we record. But yeah, it, it, it's so like that game today like perked up the whole playoffs. Like you you feel like you're in the playoffs after that game today, and. and like it makes me that much more excited for for all the other games. Um, so I'm I'm pretty pumped. Definitely. Well, good talking to you this week. Uh, thanks everyone for listening to the show. And yeah, lots more basketball this week. Yes, very good. I'll talk to you later, Martin. Bye.